Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roar Lions Radio. This is your host for tonight, Nick Pollock, not Bill DeFilippo. Uh, Bill was busy getting his, I believe, his gallbladder removed this past uh, weekend. Uh, so he'll not be with us for at least a week here. So instead, I'm going to be joined tonight by my wonderful co-host, Matt F- mm, Filipovic. How did I've never said your last name out loud. Say your last name out loud. Filipovitz. Bill has gotten it wrong uh, every time except for one. I just didn't have the heart to tell him. So sorry, Bill. Well, at least now we know. That's the important thing. Um, we're, we're here tonight to talk about a few different things. Uh, first and foremost, we have the college football playoff rankings to discuss. Uh, we'll also get into a little bit of this James Franklin talk about potentially moving on to Florida State or USC. And then we'll finish off with a quick little recap of what happened in the Big Ten this past week because Penn State did not play, so we didn't have our normal recap pod. Uh, so we'll get into all of that. But first, uh, if you like the show... Our 45 minutes of Indiana Northwestern. Exactly. We, we will break down every single play of Indiana Northwestern. Uh, but first, if you like the show, please make sure you're subscribed to us. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud. We are on Overcast, Google Play. Um, maybe something else. I think some of those sites just kind of grab podcasts without even saying anything. So who knows? Uh, but make sure you make sure you subscribe. And also, please, if you can, leave a review, five stars. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Even if you want to tell us mean things, just do it with five stars. Because that's a, if we'll see them all. We'll take your suggestions and we'll work from them. So we do appreciate that. Um, but first things first, the college football playoff rankings. In case you somehow didn't see, Penn State came in in this first round of rankings as the number four team in the country following number one Ohio State, number two LSU, and number three Alabama. It's the first time that Penn State has ever eclipsed the top four in these playoff rankings. They got very close back in 2016. They ended as the number five team. Of course, that was the year that they won the Big Ten Championship and went on that miraculous run. But this is the first time even not not we're not saying that obviously they haven't been in the playoff yet. This is the first time they've even been inside this top four at all, though. Really quickly to run down the rest of the rankings, Penn State um, got that number four spot over number five, Clemson. <clears throat> Excuse me. Georgia came in at number six, Oregon and Utah at seven and eight, Oklahoma and Florida, nine and 10, 11 through 15. We had Auburn, Baylor, Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame. 16 through 20, we had Kansas State, Minnesota, Iowa, Wake Forest, and Cincinnati. And 21 through 25, we had Memphis, Boise State, Oklahoma State, Navy, and SMU. So first things first, Matt, um, were you surprised at Penn State getting in that top four? I Coming into the night, I didn't think Penn State was going to get in the top four. And then as I saw the rankings roll in, and the moment I think I knew was when Kansas State was ahead of Minnesota, because Minnesota mm. is undefeated, but they have played pretty much nobody. So that kind of told me that they're going to put a lot more value into who have you played uh, more so than style points. Because Minnesota looks like world beaters, and they have for the past six weeks. Um, but I think the committee really came out here and said today, we're going to take into account who you've played more so than how you look doing it. Yeah, I think I had a similar thought when I saw that Oklahoma State came in at number 23. And we can talk about our other impressions from the rest of the poll in a second, but... Oklahoma State is a team that in the AP poll, I think they're they're like the fourth or fifth team down in the others receiving votes category. So they weren't even, I mean, they were close. They weren't particularly close, um, but the committee put them at number 23 here. And Oklahoma State has had some good wins. Um, they're the only team in these rankings with three losses, though, which is 
kind of what has dinged them in the AP and coaches poll. Um, but we've seen throughout the years that the college football playoff committee, they, they do things differently. They don't really take those AP and coaches polls into account. Uh, the best example of that probably be probably being back in 2016, uh, the first round of the rankings were released right after, I believe it was the week after Penn State beat Ohio State, maybe a week after that. Um, but Penn State, I think in the AP poll was maybe like 20 or 19 at that point. And the college football playoff put them all the way up at 12, if I'm remembering correctly. Forgive me, that's off the top of my head. I could 12 or 14, somewhere in that range, I think. Yeah, they were they were up there. It's it was So they've clearly shown that they're not afraid to kind of go against the tide in that regard. <laughs> the tide, the crimson tide. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I think when I saw the way that some of the rankings were laying out, it became more and more plausible in my mind that Penn State was going to earn that spot. But I, I was still I was still surprised. It it was a it was a good kind of jarring to see Penn State inside that top four because it's it's a place they they haven't been. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm very excited. Uh, I again I didn't really think this was going to happen, and to see them have the chance to assuming they beat Minnesota, assuming they beat Indiana, which are not guarantees. Uh, there's a really good chance that the Penn State Ohio State game coming up here in a couple weeks could be at the absolute worst, one versus three, realistically one versus two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, Penn State, they have a lot, still a lot ahead of them. They have a matchup against the undefeated number 17 Minnesota Golden Gophers this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that more uh, later on in the week. We'll have a, we'll have a uh, preview podcast with Matt and myself again uh, in a couple of days. Um, but they still have Minnesota coming up. They still have to travel to Columbus to take on the number one Buckeyes. Uh, like you said, Indiana, definitely not a cakewalk. Uh, it won't be quite as tough of a game now that quarterback Michael Penix has been ruled out for the season, which is really unfortunate for the yeah, Eagles. They've been playing really well. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that Penn State won't get their best shot, but uh, Peyton Ramsey has been fine. Uh, but again, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Um, were there any other any other rankings in this poll? I know we mentioned. Um, you, you mentioned Minnesota. I mentioned Oklahoma State. Was, were there any other teams that you were surprised about where they landed? Utah ahead of Oklahoma really surprised me, um, mostly mm. because of how highly Kansas State was ranked. I'm really, really surprised Utah is number eight and not nine. I thought they would be switched. Um, Ohio State at one did surprise me, I'll be honest, um, mostly because I thought the, the TV dollars of a one LSU to Alabama this weekend would be uh, – something the playoff committee took yeah. into account, at least in the first rankings. Um, Georgia at six makes sense. Oregon at seven makes sense. They looked great. Uh, shout out Joan Johnson. Um, yeah, nothing else really, really caught me off guard here. Um, Michigan at 14. I think they have a realistic shot of making the top 10 uh, at the end of the year before it's all said and done. Because uh, that Notre Dame win was really impressive, even though we just saw they, Notre Dame. Yeah, they dominated lose, them. Yeah, to Virginia Tech. Uh, but overall, uh, nothing, nothing that really made my jaw drop. Nothing too crazy, I think. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised that both Oregon and Utah were placed ahead of Oklahoma. I know none of those three teams really has. I mean, I guess Oklahoma has the Texas win, if you want to call that a good win. At that's that point, a three loss really Texas sure team. Who, oh yeah, who almost lost to Kansas like two weeks ago. Yeah, so I, they're back though. It's, it's, they're back. It's a win in name brand alone. It, it really doesn't actually mean much at this point. 
Um, but I agree. I, I was still a little surprised to see both of the Pac-12 teams get ahead of Oklahoma. Um, and I think I think that does bode really well for the Pac-12 in general because and Oregon and Utah is definitely scary for Penn State. They Neither Oregon nor Utah really has any tough challenges the rest of the way. Of course, it's the Pac-12. It usually cannibalizes itself, so it's very possible that either Oregon or Utah loses a game before the Pac-12 championship, and then the one that loses the game goes on and wins the Pac-12 championship and knocks the entire conference out in that regard. But still too early to say on that. But it's definitely a favorable position for the Pac-12 um, because if those teams do both win out the rest of the way, I think it'd be pretty hard to keep the winner of the conference out over a one-loss Penn State. I think if it's a one-loss Ohio State, it's probably a little bit of a different argument. Um, but again, there's plenty of time, plenty of time before we need to really go into that. Um, as I documented on the site the other uh, earlier on Tuesday, there only once in the what what are what are we like five years now deep into the playoff? Five six, six years? Six seasons? Yeah, like that. Twenty fourteen was the first year. So the first year, yes. Franklin, first year Franklin got to Penn State was the first year of the playoff. So yeah, six years. That's right. Yeah. Um, only once last year was the first time that more than two teams that were in the original top four actually ended in the top four um, by the time playoff seedings were announced. So it is definitely it's definitely expected that these rankings will change. Obviously, they will LSU playing Alabama this week, Penn State playing Ohio State in a couple of weeks. Um, either LSU or Alabama is going to play one of Florida or Georgia in the SEC championship game. We talked about Oregon and Utah playing each other. Oklahoma is going to have to play number 12 Baylor probably twice. So there's still there's still a lot that's going to happen with these rankings. But as as much as there still is to as much as there is yet to change and yet to happen, it's undoubtable that Penn State is in an enviable position here starting in the top four. It really says a lot about what the committee thinks about what they've done already. Nick, trivia time here. Do you happen to remember who was the number one team in the very first set of college football playoff rankings back in 2014? It was Dak. Wow. Well done. I, I, to be fair, I did, I did look that up for my post that I wrote on Tuesday, but, but I did all, I did actually remember that one too. That's always the first thing I think about when I think about the history of the playoff. Um, Because I believe, Mississippi State was, I think they were undefeated at the time of those rankings. And uh, yes, they were. 7-0. I, I think that top four, I think, I don't think any of the teams that were in that first top four ended up in the final top four that year. That, this this can't be real. This top four uh, at the time was Mississippi State, Florida State, Auburn, Ole Miss. Oh, Ole Miss. Wow. 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 What a time. Oh, my God. That was 2014. Alabama Man. was number six. Oh my God! Kansas That's State was number nine. Ago. Oh my God! Wasn't Ohio State was like Ohio State was 14? sixteen because they had that Virginia 16. Tech loss that year. Nebraska was fifteen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was. How yeah. times change. That was a year. I don't. I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see. I don't know if we'll ever see something quite like that again. I'm sure we will. Once, uh, once Les Miles turns Kansas around, and in three years when they're in the playoff. When Les Miles is Kansas and Mac Brown's North Carolina are just banging on the door to get into the playoffs. The winner gets a discount for AARP. Ooh, oh, that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, yeah, great position for Penn State here. Do you have anything else you want to add on these rankings? 
Um, nothing really here. Uh, fingers crossed that um, the seven and twosers, uh, Indiana, sneaks their way in here uh, in the coming weeks. That could be another really nice feather in Penn State's cap if it comes down to uh, a one-loss Penn State and then a one-loss Pac-12 champion or a one-loss Alabama or LSU. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would bet on Indiana sneaking in there, especially with Penix being out for the year, just because the committee is does a little more in-depth research than the AP and the coaches' polls do. But, you know, it's, you never know. it's possible. There's there's a lot of teams at the bottom of these rankings that are ripe for a loss and could very easily drop out. So um, it's definitely possible. I mean, it's theoretically even possible to that if Pitt's able to go on a streak, they could even sneak their way in there. They've looked bad in stretches, but they've also looked pretty good in some other stretches. And you have to imagine that UCF probably didn't fall too far off this poll for the committee. And obviously they lost to Pitt, so it's not the most implausible situation that they could sneak their way on there by the time the season comes to a close. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but we shall see. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be back, uh, to talk more about the rankings, uh, next week as well. And we'll, I'm sure we'll reference them again, um, on the preview pod coming up. Uh, but there's a few other things that we need to discuss. Namely, uh, Florida State made the decision to fire Willie Taggart after less than two years as its head coach on, uh, I believe that that broke this morning, this morning being Tuesday, or was that what happened yesterday? Um, it might have been Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Florida State made the decision to move on from Willie Taggart. Um, obviously a big, big decision that's going to have some ripple effects all throughout college football. Uh, will be one of what should be multiple high-profile jobs expected to be open this offseason, with USC being the other big one. Um, and just as it was two years ago when Taggart got hired, uh, James Franklin's name has started to, started to be floated around for that seminal opening. I personally don't think that's a realistic spot right now. It, it From everything that we've seen from Bruce Feldman at The Athletic and uh, just – other people talking about it um, on Twitter and things like that. It doesn't really sound like that is a job that people are necessarily lining up for, and it's hard to blame them. Yeah, if you're not even going to give a pretty accomplished young coach like Willie Taggart two years, they're going to have to, I hate to say it, settle for, not settle, um, they won't get one of their top choices. Because I don't think Stoops is coming out of retirement. So they're going to, and it's clear they want a head coach. So they're going to have to look into some pretty good G5 names, uh, but I, I can't imagine anybody all that big would look at that and say, that's a situation I think I can succeed in. Yeah, and it's and it's not it's not a matter of money. I believe I heard that the boosters for Florida State had already almost completely uh, fundraised enough money to cover Taggart's buyout and his staff's buyouts. It's, like it's tw- not I, an issue. I, I read somewhere that was about $20 million. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think it, I think it's $17 million. For yeah. ta- that's for Taggart alone, I'm pretty sure. And then I think the assistants oh, okay. probably total around there, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's something. Yeah. That's be nice to just have that kind of money to throw away, throw around on your football coach. Hey, uh, more, more power to him. What a life. What a life. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not an issue of money with Florida state. It's, it's an issue of, like you said, it's an issue of who, who wants that job. And when you're talking about a guy like James Franklin for that job, we know, thanks to we we originally learned it a way way back when Devin Ford committed. He mentioned there was a mention of it in a post about him, but he confirmed it on the two four seven show on HBO. 
that James Franklin's goal is to be the first African-American head coach to win a college championship. And it's going to be a hard for a guy that has aspirations like that to be willing to walk into a job at Florida State right now, which maybe not a total, total rebuild. There's still a lot of talent there, but a sizable rebuild. And you also have to consider the fact that there are not many African-American coaches in college football. Willie Taggart was one of them, and they just fired him within two years. That's not to say that that played any part in it, but you know, it's not, it's not a great look and probably doesn't align super well with what James Franklin's goals are. That being said, the, if it were to happen, the kind of the, the curiosity side of me is super interested to see and think about what a James Franklin and Juwan Sater recruiting combo could do at Florida State. Yeah, uh, re- recruiting Florida isn't what it used to be, even six, five, six years ago, uh, because Florida's where all the athletes are. Um, if yeah. you look at it, Penn State is a footprint here now. Uh, I say here because I live in Florida and I'm allowed to. I'm a Florida man. Um, Matt, Matt is the Florida man. That's true. Um, Ohio State is a footprint uh, down here. Uh, Miami's on the rise. Florida under Dan Mullen, I think, is going to have a ton of success. UCF is a very attractive program, maybe to some three-star, four-star kids who think they can make an impact right away and want that opportunity. Uh, It's not what it used to be. And I think if Florida State were to lure Franklin away, he would be the best guy to be able to keep those guys in state and convince them to go to a program like Florida State. Yeah, for sure. Um, unfortunately for the Seminoles, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a realistic option, but one option that does continue to get thrown around, not necessarily, not necessarily with any concreteness behind it, but more just a, this seems to make sense kind of idea. Uh, it's no secret that Clay Helton is almost surely going to be out of a job at USC. Uh, once the season comes to an end, They've underperformed. They've, they've dealt with injuries. JT Daniels got hurt and uh, was out for the season, I think, in week one. So yep, week one he went not down. Nec- yeah, not necessarily the uh, fairest situation for Helton to be judged, but it's been two years of underachievement with that program, and it things haven't been going well. I know um, on the, uh, the Audible, the athletic pod with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel, is listening to um, – I think it was Mandel was at the USC Oregon game, or maybe it was Feldman, whichever one. And they said that at this point, the USC fans in the stadium, they're not even, they're not even booing Helton anymore. He said, they just, they just seem defeated. They're checked out. They're not interested in what's happening anymore. It takes a lot for that to happen at a place like USC, a place with the history of USC and the talent that USC has. I just went down their roster. They currently have 40 players on their roster that are juniors or younger that were four or five star talents. There's an absolutely absurd collection of talent on that roster. And for them to be underachieving so much, um, really that that's going to be the nail in the coffin for, um, for Clay Helton. Yeah. That's gotta be as a result. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. That's gotta be really frustrating for USC fans, especially with the, uh, the PAC 12, especially the PAC 12 South really there for the taking. Uh, it's, it's a bad time to be down if you're USC because I think Oregon's on the rise. Uh, I think Washington's down right now, but they'll always bounce back. Um, if USC was going to make a playoff run, this seems like the prime time for them to do it, and they just don't have the coaching staff to make that possible. And even if the Pac-12 was firing on all cylinders, it's even when Oregon and Washington and 
Utah are, are at their best, it's still not it, it's not nearly as difficult as winning at a place like Penn State. And that is kind of one of the reasons that people, I think that people are speculating Franklin to USC. Um, he, there's, it's, it's undeniable that it's an easier path to the conference championship game because you don't have to deal with Ohio State. You don't have to deal with Michigan. You don't have to deal with what is usually a pretty strong Michigan State team. It's a much easier path to the championship game. And if you have a much easier, easier path to a championship game, you have a much easier path to a playoff. There, everyone knows that Franklin is a dynamite recruiter. California is arguably second only to Florida in terms of talent, maybe equal. There's an absolute, absolute abundance of talent in California, um, not to mention that USC just owns the Pacific Islands and Hawaii and getting players out of there. It's It would be... Franklin could roll out of bed, lift a finger, and have 10 five-stars on that roster his first year on campus there. It's, it, it would be incredibly easy for him. The question is whether or not he would want to go. And that, that's the thing that kind of brings it back for me is this, it just doesn't seem like the right timing for him to leave Penn State. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's built Penn State for the 2020 season. I mean, this season... Right now, they're number four. They could make the playoff. But I think everybody uh, would agree that 2020, if the guys who we think are coming back are coming back, is the year. And for somebody with aspirations to be the first African-American head coach to win a national championship, you're not leaving before your very best chance. So I I don't think it's going to happen. I I think he'll stay. Uh, I think he's here for the long haul. And USC can still go out and hire a fantastic coach, but it just won't be the one uh, who coaches the Nittany Lions right now. Yeah, I agree. It's it, it would not make any sense for this to be the time to leave. He's been working so hard to get the facilities improved. And then like you said, this this was always going this twenty nineteen team was always seen as one that could be very good and could challenge for something greater, um, on the back of the defense mostly. But the twenty twenty team and the way the roster was set up, that was that always looked like it was gonna be the squad that was really gonna have a chance to do big things on the national stage with Sean Clifford in his second year, potentially KJ Hamler back, Jahan Dotson, Justin Shorter, Pat Fryermuth, a more experienced offensive line. Everything seems like it's falling in place for 2020 to be an absolutely monster season for Penn State, even though they will lose a good amount of talent on the defense. They have so much in the they have so much depth behind those guys that they'll be able to reload like they have done for the last however many years at this point. So I agree. It it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it's the right time for him to be moving on to a job that is, it's not a rebuild. They have more than enough talent to avoid a rebuilding stage. Oh yeah. But it, it's a, it's a reset. Yeah. The right coach can go in there and win 10 games next season. No doubt in my yeah. mind, the right coach can go in there and win 10 games. Yeah. I would actually really love to see PJ Fleck at the, in that job. Oh, he has that new seven year extension now, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And as we know, contract extensions for coaches means they're never leaving until that contract is up. Very true. Right, Willie Taggart? Ayo. Oh, poor Willie. Um, yeah, so it it I think I don't think we're gonna have a have necessarily an end to these Franklin rumors anytime soon. I think anytime a big job opens like that at this point, I think his name's going to be involved because People are interested in him. I, I think he is very much within 
the top five coaches in the college football landscape right now. I don't know how you couldn't put him there. Since 2016, the only coaches who have more wins than him are Nick Saban and Davos Winnie. It's you. It, there's no. There's no arguing it at this point. He he has proven himself to be an elite head coach, and I know a lot of people give him flack for uh, kind of mid-game decisions and timeouts and things like that. Sure, he's not perfect in that regard. I don't think any coach is, but he's not perfect in that regard. But I think the people that focus on that really forget about the other things that are the responsibility of a head coach. Recruiting is a huge part of being a college head coach. Hiring the right coaches for your staff is a massive part of being a coach. Dabo Swinney would not be Dabo Swinney if he didn't have Brent Venables by his size, defensive coordinator. And James Franklin, really, aside from maybe two hires, has absolutely hit his hit hiring staff absolutely out of the ballpark. I think he absolutely belongs among the nation's elite. And for that reason, I think Penn State fans just have to get used to hearing his name in these rumors. Yeah, I think that's going to happen, especially with how young he is. And of all these, uh, I'll just go through the top six teams right now. Ryan Day at Ohio State, if he leaves, he's going to the NFL. Um, Coach O, I don't think he's leaving the SEC. Uh, Saban's never leaving Bama. Uh, Dabo, I think, would only leave Clemson for Bama. And Kirby Smart, I don't think, would leave anywhere but the SEC. So jobs like that, Franklin's going to be the first guy people think of. And that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. And you know what? That That's a great as, situation as to be in. Yeah. As annoying as it may be for fans, especially right now at this time of year, and as annoying as it may be for Franklin, kind of. Annoying to get questions about it. I think it's good for him, and his name is mentioned that, because he can continue to leverage that with the athletic department to get more things for the football team. Uh, but it's just something Penn State fans are going to have to deal with, and it's a sign that he is, he is a great coach, and it's a sign that other people wish he was their coach. And that's fine. Yes. There are I worse agree. things. There are worse things. Um, so with that, Matt, I think it's about time that we dive into this Big Ten slate that was in Week Ten. Let's do and it. And I I say slate because I I don't I I hesitate to say there were Big Ten games this weekend. Not many of these really qualified as football games in my mind. There were more <laughs> slightly competitive exhibitions. I would say would be a more appropriate term. Uh, Michigan. Mid-November outings. 38 to 7. Mid-November outings. There we go. They were extended brunches. <laughs> Michigan like beat Maryland 38 to 7 in College Park. Um, I I didn't really get to watch any of this game. I, I know Michigan had the had the big kick return or on the first first kickoff of the game. Maybe? Yes. Yep. They returned the opening kick? Yep, yeah, opening kick. I do know that Michigan fans on Twitter were not particularly pleased with this game. Could, do you have any insight as to why? No, I didn't know they weren't pleased. Um, considering how they've looked uh, in weeks prior, I would be thrilled with a 38-7 road win over even a lowly Big Ten team like Maryland. Yeah, from from taking a look, I mean, they uh, they only had 331 yards of total offense, so I, I guess that that's a little lower than you'd like to see. Shea Patterson only threw for 151 yards. They rushed for 155 yards. They averaged 4.6 yards per rush. Okay, I I, I can under, they lost the time of possession battle. I, I I guess I can see where they where there may have been concerns. You would like to beat a team like Maryland a little more handily than that, like oh like a team like Penn State did. I don't know, but. I I agree. I think where they were, it's I think it's hard to be too upset with a 31 point win. But then again, we're talking about Michigan, so 
are they ever really happy? No. As somebody who does the mess boards, it's uh, I hate doing Michigan <laughs> so much. Outside outside of yeah. Pitt, Michigan might be my least favorite um, mess board to do, but the Minnesota ones have been surprisingly spicy. So look out for mm. that here in the coming days. That that one's fun to work on. Interesting. Continuing in their just absolute season of nightmares left and right. Uh, Nebraska lost to Purdue 31 to 27. This is Purdue, mind you, who lost uh, backup quarterback Jack Plummer. I, it was pretty late in the game. Plummer had already thrown 34 passes, but um, Aiden O'Connell had to come in. A walk six on? Six of seven for 62 yards. Yeah, I believe he's a walk on. Yep. He. <laughs> I, just, I, what, I mean, what can you say when you're in Nebraska at this point? I, I know Scott Frost made it very clear when he got hired that this was not going to be an immediate turnaround. But I mean, they were getting what 14 to one championship odds before this season began. Yeah. Clearly more was expected of the Cornhuskers. This yeah. Year. Um, Nebraska is not Florida. It is hard to recruit people to convince them to come to Nebraska. Uh, he'll get there. I think he's a good coach. I think he can get there. Uh, I think he's the kind of coach who can do more with less, but uh, give it, give it, a year before they make bowl, like safely make a bowl game and then give it two or three before they can compete for the big 10 West. I mean, right now they're, let's see, they're four and five. Their Ooh, last three games I, are yeah. tricky. Their last three games they are get, tricky. They have, they have Wisconsin at home. They go to Maryland and they have Iowa at home. I think it's, oh man, I don't even, I don't even know if I would say they beat Maryland though. Cause Maryland's going to score. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh... Not great. Not not great. I'm sorry if you put any of your hard-earned dollars on Nebraska to win anything. Which, if year. you did, what are you doing? Yeah, that's yeah. A, not a good investment on your part. Yeah, it, it's it's a shame that they're not... It's really a shame that they're not better, because Adrian Martinez, Wandell Robinson, J.D. Spielman, those guys are really, really fun to watch. It's... Man. Nebraska, they just, Nebraska never does what you want or expect them to do nope but no we should but we should know by now very true uh moving on coming off of their big coming off of their huge upset over wisconsin heck yes um, illinois heck illinois yes is rolling i uh, rolling they could realistically go seven and five which is they beat <laughs> great for lovey great for lovey that man needs they it. beat rutgers 38 to 10 Brandon Peters only had to throw 11 passes. He only threw for 120 yards. They ran for 204 on the ground. Rutgers is just I mean, I I wasn't I wasn't completely terrified of what they looked like with Johnny Langdon at quarterback cuz at least he can run a little bit. But uh, I mean, <laughs> there's there's an argument to I think they might be the worst team in college football. Uh, I, I'm, I might go with the, one of the teams we're talking about next for the worst team in college football. <laughs> I knew you, I knew you were going to say that. And I'm going to bring up how you voted for the big 10 power rankings. Oh, too. please do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Illinois rolled over Rutgers 38, 10 Illinois now five and four Rutgers two and seven. Um, yeah. Illinois final games at Michigan state at Iowa versus Northwestern. They should beat Northwestern. We'll get to them in a second. At Michigan State, you can't I, tell me a little part of you is not thinking like, yeah, I could, I could see that happening. I absolutely could see it happening. And Michigan State can't score. I mean, I, I don't see why that would stop on a 
in on an Illinois defense that hasn't been good, but they've been getting a lot better. They held Wisconsin to 23. Purdue only scored six. That same Purdue that just beat Nebraska. They held Purdue to six. They held, well, we're not going to talk about holding Rutgers. That's not an accomplishment, but yeah, I, I, a very large part of me thinks that they could go in there and beat Michigan state, but we'll get to that on the preview pod in a couple days. The final game of this past weekend <laughs> is something that was so offensive to watch. Did you watch it? I watched a good amount of it, and I'm going to tell you why. So Indiana went in, Indiana beat Northwestern 34 to 3. Indiana went into this game, the line was Indiana minus 11 and a half, or maybe it was just 11, one or the other. I looked at that, the betting man that I am, I looked at that and said, great, I'll take that. I think Indiana is going to win by 20. And then as the week went on, the line went down to eight. And I said, great, I think Indiana is going to win by 20. I'll take that too. And then the line went down to seven and a half. And then it went back up to eight. I bet on this game five separate times, all within 11 points or less. And I (laughs) won a lot of money on Indiana. You you madman. I won a lot of money on the Hoosiers. Northwestern is offensively offensively bad yep they were uh, i was the one person in the in our roundtable post a couple couple days ago last week whatever it was who put um who put pat fitzgerald or northwestern below rutgers in our power rankings yes you did and i don't think that you are wrong in doing so let let me explain why let me explain my reasoning rutgers knows they're bad Nunzio, Campanelli, whatever, former Penn State safety. I'm lying. It's just an Italian name. <laughs> it's a good Italian joke. Um, he knows he's coaching a bad team, and he knows why they're bad. I don't think Pat Fitzgerald knows why his team isn't winning games. And I can't find the quote. I'm looking for it right now. But it, it was something to the effect of um, Pat Fitzgerald had, I guess, some people come or whatever it was to Northwestern's practice. And Fitzgerald mm-hmm. said that the people at practice asked him if he's sure they're not undefeated. So the fact that Pat oh. Fitzgerald would then just put that out into the world just shows me he has no idea what he's doing wrong, which is objectively hysterical. Oh, they're, oh, they're so, they are so awful. But the funny, right. so Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald are stuck together for the rest of time because there's going to be no program that comes chomping at the bits for pat fitzgerald and northwestern knows there's no other coach that can help them win 10 games semi-regularly than pat fitzgerald so they are going to be together forever i think they're finally going to fire their offensive coordinator after like nine years and scoring i think roughly 35 points total in those nine years um but they're really bad and i'm really sorry but they're really bad I may not have this exactly right, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's correct. Northwestern this year is scoring 9.7 points per game. And if they continue that pace, they would be the first Big Ten team, or maybe team, no, it can't be team ever, but Big Ten team to average fewer than 10 points a game in a really long time. And I, a follow-up to that, I saw somebody else tweeted, that they they had to double check, but they were pretty sure that Oklahoma averaged nine point seven points per like quarter or something like that, <laughs> which is just 
un- they're unbelievably awful. If Northwestern and Rutgers played on a neutral field tomorrow, who wins? Rutgers. I think Rutgers. Rutgers beat a decent Liberty team. What could- <sighs> Northwestern, I don't think, can have any kind of feather in its cap. I think, I think Rutgers win, and I think Rutgers wins by four touchdowns. That's how confident I am in that. Okay. That, that's a lot. I, I'm st- I'll stand by that. Do you, like do you think Pat Fitzgerald feels bad about the defense that he's wasting? No, I think he, they have a good defense. I think in his really weird brain, he thinks it's making them tougher. I think <sighs> I think he just mumbles to himself that pain is the best way to grow. Every time a player complains to him that they have to play two hundred snaps a game, like like Patty Fisher is legitimately probably talent wise one of the best linebackers in the conference. But he plays 175 snaps a game, so how is anyone actually going to know? He's like, so he's going to be so tired, he's crawling on the turf before the game. It's, just, <laughs> uh, it's so bad. They're so so awful, and it. But it, reigning, I mean, reigning Big Ten West champions. Reigning Big Ten West champions. I wonder if they're mathematically eliminated from getting back. Oh, they have to be. That's Let's to. pull up the standings real quick. Let's go. Minnesota probably Big has them. Ten. They have seven games on them because there's only three games left. And if they're one and eight, one and... That's true. Yep. All right, so yeah. One and seven, North- whatever. Oh. Yeah, Northwestern. I have a communications Owens. degree. I don't do math. <laughs> Northwestern, 0 and 6 in conference. They have scored 41 points. In conference? Total. In conference? Yeah, isn't it like seventy-eight total? Seventy-eight total. So here, Penn State had more than that against Idaho. Quick comparison: <laughs> Northwestern has scored seventy-eight points total this season. They've only given up two hundred five. That's pretty good. That's pretty remarkable. They have given up fewer points than Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, and they're only barely behind Indiana, Michigan State. And then they're like 40 points behind Minnesota. For comparison, Rutgers has scored 132 points this year. Hey, good for Rutgers. Rutgers outscored Northwestern by almost 60 points. Yikes. Yikes. That is so, so awful. Yikes. I cannot get over that. They are, they are an affront to mankind. And now you, uh, dear listener, for sitting through all that Northwestern talk, you are now a Medill grad. So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Pat, Pat Fitzgerald should be thrown in prison. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think that's probably enough for tonight. We're going to keep this a shorter pod. We just wanted to get on here and react to Penn State once again coming in at number four in the rankings. Um, pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Huge it's, step, it's, huge it's step cool... for the program. Huge step for the program. Yeah. You can say it doesn't matter. Um, but that's the kind of stat that people pull up uh, nationally when talking about it. Like, okay, like how many weeks has Penn State been in rank, the top four of the playoff rankings? How many weeks has Alabama? Like, that stuff comes up. You can say it doesn't matter. But these are the things people look at. And from a national perspective, these are the things people are going to look at. And Penn State's going to be talked about a lot tomorrow. And that's great national exposure. So football-wise, it doesn't matter. But from every other aspect uh, that you need to succeed in college football, this is a big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, it's regardless of what happens from here on out, the fact that they were ranked as number 14 this week, like you said, it's huge for the program. It's 
And it's not only huge for the program, it's just, it's a really nice, it's a really nice thing for those kids. And I know that, I know that James Franklin, I you had the post of his tweet that came out, what, like a minute after the ranking was announced saying yeah. Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. Um, I know, I know the coaches are going to be uh, really hammering that home with those kids that this, this week, it can't be about the playoff. Nothing's about the playoff. It's all just about going one and zero each week, but they they know that they're ranked as the number four team right now, and that that's just that's a really great thing for them. It that recognition is awesome for them. Yeah, I agree. It should be fun. It should be a fun last few weeks. Any parting thoughts before we uh, get back together in a couple days? Uh, I'm going to hit you hit you with another trivia time to lead into our, okay. our very exciting Minnesota Penn State preview. There are right. there are two players currently in a, in Penn State starting lineup who started the Penn State Minnesota game back in 2016. Can you name them? This is offense Ooh. and defense. There are two players who started the 2016 game for Penn State. I, uh, I do, 2016 I do, game. I do have hints so if you see, want them. Um, I, I'm gonna. Is one of them Steven Gonzalez? One of them is not Steven Gonzalez. Hmm. Trying to think, who else? Uh, 2016, Utah Gross Matos would not have been starting. He wouldn't even have been here yet. Oh, right. Man, what, what year is it? 2019? 2019. God. Um, ooh, man, I don't know. All right, give, give me some hints. Okay, well, they're both defensive players. Okay. Oh, well, one of them is John Reed. One of them is John Reed. Um, let's see. It can't be anyone on the defensive line. They're too young. Oh, no, it's not Shane Simmons. He wouldn't have started. Right? Yeah. It's not Shane Simmons. Um. It could, it, 2016, it couldn't have been Garrett Taylor. Wasn't Garrett Taylor. Like, oh, is it, it's Cam Brown. It is Cam Brown. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Me, me and freshman year Cam Brown had some, had some big issues to work through. Those were good times. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. If, for those of you that don't remember 2016 Minnesota game, that was, that was the game. That was the miracle Irvin Charles rip away run for a touchdown. That was the game that changed it all. That's the game that led us down the path that we are on now to number four Penn state. Yes. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And I remember, uh, it was before I actually, I worked for the blog. I was, uh, it was in the student section and it was right around the time Les miles got fired and there were chants for, uh, for Les miles because when Penn state was down at half, <laughs> it was very funny. I vividly remember that. <laughs> oh man. I remember That's higher. Awesome. I vividly remember higher less was a thing I kept on hearing from different little pockets of the student section. I think that we should, over the summer, we should explore that alternate reality and kind of build out what oh, what God. the Les Miles Penn oh, State, God. The, what the 2017 Les Miles Penn State future looks like. I wonder, I wonder what he would have done to Saquon. Oh my God! That, that, he that would, poor boy ran him 45 times a game. He he would have had 550 carries in 2017. Yeah, he also would have given the Nittany Lion like a motorcycle to ride out on, to lead the team out on, which would rule. But. All right, all right. We we need to save these ideas for, for this future for this future project. Um, once again, if you are, uh, do not already subscribe, please do. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, SoundCloud, um, all of your listens. Really appreciate your listens and your downloads. Uh, really appreciate it. Do not go unnoticed by us. Please leave us a review if you can. That's also very much appreciated. If you're interested in supporting the site and supporting the podcast, uh, please head over to our store. You can find it on rollinesroad.com. 
Uh, we have some great shirts up there, great sweatshirt. I'm wearing the sweatshirt right now. It's super, super comfortable. Um, I know we say that all the time, but if you don't own one of them already, it's it it really is an experience to wear the stuff. The, our supplier makes amazing, amazing apparel and um, definitely should be part of your wardrobe. The sweatshirts are like amazing. And as it gets colder, it will be even more amazing. Yeah, they're super soft and they're super warm. It's really hard to find. And they're not and they're not super bulky and heavy. It's really hard to find a sweatshirt like that. It really, it's a fantastic product. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, we'll be back later in the week, probably on Thursday with uh, the preview pod for number four Penn State's date with number 17 Minnesota and Minneapolis. What a time. Uh, game is set. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Minnesota. Hey, look, look at us. Look, hey, hey, look at us. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. We'll be back in a few days uh, for myself, for Matt. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.